This is the One Thing Podcast, where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. I'm your host, Jeff Woods. FM Alexander says, people do not decide their futures. They decide their habits. Their habits decide their futures. It's why habits are at the core of the one thing. When you go to the onething.com and you go to the free stuff page, the number one most downloaded thing on our website, the 66-day challenge calendar. Because we know it takes on average 66 days to form a habit. And so we created this calendar that you download it. It's got 66 days on it. And every single day you do your one thing, you put a big red X on it. Pretty soon it becomes less about doing your one thing and more about not breaking the chain. At this point, we've had over 20,000 people that have downloaded that calendar. We have shepherded over 4,000 people through a 66-day challenge through our time-blocking mastery course. And we have found something really interesting. There are some common myths that people have about what it takes to form a habit, about what this looks like. If you're not aware of what these myths are, if you don't check your mind before you start your next 66-day challenge you simply won't be as successful. Today, we get to sit down with somebody who's been a friend of mine for a long time. Prior to even starting this company, I lived in Orange County when I was in medical device sales. He was one of my neighbors. And we had a, uh, as you're going to hear in the story, he and I went on a walk one day talking about the future. And it it was shortly after that that both of our lives dramatically changed. I moved my family to Austin to start this company and he began his own journey of living the one thing and his life today looks very, very differently. And at the core of it, he has been going on 66-day challenges. And what might surprise you, you probably think we're about to interview somebody who's gonna talk you about all these perfect 66-day challenges and how successful they were. Not so much. We're gonna be diving into some of the mistakes he made some of the things that he learned along the way that were absolutely vital to his success today. If you find yourself listening to this and saying, hey, I would really like to be surrounded by some people like this who can help me along the way, we would encourage you to consider joining our Living Your One Thing community. Starting January 1st, we are kicking off a members exclusive 66 day challenge. We will be pouring into our membership community so that they can kick off the new year with a power habit that sticks. If you would like to join us, you can start for free by going to the onething.com slash community. You can have a free trial and join us as we lock arms and support each other in the new year. Go to the onething.com slash community to join us today. With that, let's get into this episode with Jeff Gray. Eating healthy is an investment. It's an investment in yourself, but it also often requires an investment of your time. But good news is Factor has delicious ready-to-eat meals that are ever fresh and never frozen. They're chef-created, dietitian-approved, and ready to eat in just two minutes. With Factor, you can choose from a weekly menu of up to 35 options, including popular things like Calorie Smart or Keto Direction or Protein Plus or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover 60 more add-ons every week like breakfast on the go, lunch snacks, beverages to help you stay fueled, feel good all day. And we know our listeners here at The One Thing are focused on health and health goals. That's why we choose to partner with Factor. And if you visit factormeals.com slash 150 and use code 150, you can get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Again, that's factormeals.com slash ONE50 and use code ONE50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. 
Jeff, let's go back in time to when you and I were neighbors in Orange County. Uh, I remember one day I grabbed my kids, put them in the stroller. Or kid, I had a kid at that time. One kid. I grabbed Daphne, put her in the stroller. You grabbed Marley and Evan, stuck them in the stroller, grabbed Daisy, your dog, and we went for a walk. And you just you poured it out to me. What was going on in your life at that time? Um, what was going on in my life? I was. Uh, we were neighbors. I needed to go for a long walk to uh, clear my head. Not sure why, but uh, I decided to come knock on your door and see if you wanted to join me, and you did. And what I remember most about our conversation is I had a lot of... You seemed to be very into optimal, optimal performance. As a friend, I'd heard you talk about it a lot and, and your dreams and your goals and your aspirations and how, what the actions you were taking to make them happen. So I just decided to pick your brain on that. And I think we walked for like over five miles. And we talked for hours on that walk. <laughs> My dog practically passed out. And you made suggestions on books. I told you things that were going on in my life. And it was probably the first time that I talked to someone who had an action plan for how they were going to make their life better. Everybody wants a better life. Everyone almost expects or like they're entitled to a better life. But you were one of my first friends that actually had some content around that. And it was, I don't remember what we talked about, but I remember it being a pivotal time in my life. It, it changed my trajectory 100%. Well, give us a sense of what you were doing professionally at that time and the, the highs and the lows of it. Okay. Um, I was working for a, a large restaurant corporation. I was a senior manager within that company uh, in an actual physical brick-and-mortar restaurant, one of, their, one of their locations. And I absolutely loved the restaurant business. At that point, I had been in it probably seven years. And there's something about serving food. And, and the people that go to restaurants, they're always celebrating something. You're, you're making this product with your hands that they consume on site. Like I had so much passion for the restaurant business. And over those seven years in the restaurant business, I had two kids. And I found myself working my passion all night, getting home four, five in the morning after the restaurant would close and we clean the place up, sleeping all day, working holidays, working weekends, working 60 plus hours a week. And I was missing everything at home. I, I specifically remember getting a text on my daughter's she was probably two and a half. And I'm sitting at the time I was working at a bar and it's 4th of July. The place is pumping. We got a line out the door. We're charging a covered charge. I'm the puppet master. We got drinks serving. The band's playing. My ego is massive. And I get a text from my wife and it's Marley holding her first sparkler on 4th of July night. And I realized my heart just sank. I thought I was so awesome. And I just realized I just missed something that I will never get back. And, uh, and the walk that day was when I finally changed direction and took some action towards something different. Yeah. It was interesting timing because when you and I took a walk that day, the one thing wasn't even on my radar. I was still focusing on surrounding myself with the right mentors. And you know, it, was, it was shortly after that that I launched my first podcast, The Mentee. And then you know, right after that was when I met Jay. And Rest is history, but you know when I moved my family to Austin to to start the company, 
pretty shortly after you reached out to me saying that you had interest in starting your own business. And so you, you were not far behind me in terms of beginning your entrepreneurial journey. Yeah, that's true. I, uh, I, at some point after working through the... You introduced me to a lot of great mentors. And we did a lot of work around that mindset. Read some great books. The one thing being one of them, even though it wasn't our one thing at the time, that was one of the books we read. And, and yeah, I, uh, for lack of a better term, I burned the ships. I quit the restaurant business, started my own business, and uh, went all or nothing on, on changing my life. So fast forward to today, your life looks very, very differently. You sent me a text last week. What did it say? <laughs> ah, it's a little, uh, it's a little, a uh, little yo check me out. I felt kind of guilty sending it, but I, but I owe a lot of this to you. So I wanted to share that I received two commission checks that Monday that equaled my entire annual salary the last time I left the restaurant business. I made in I made in one day a year salary. And I was and I coached my daughter's soccer team the year before. So I was definitely more present. Yeah. So you fast forward to today, you're you're exceeding your income goals and talk to us about what your time commitments look like professionally and personally. My time commitments are they're they're under my control now, which was which was a learning curve, to be honest. When I first started my own business and I had 100% autonomy on my schedule, I, I thought my work ethic working for somebody else was going to immediately apply when I was my own boss. And it didn't. It, it took me a long time to learn to manage my time correctly. But now, I, I never work on Sunday. I never work on Wednesday. And... And my clients know my schedule as far as when I'm eating dinner with the family, I'm not going to get back to you right away. But I am when I am present for them, I am hyper-present. My family knows when it's work time, I have to be hyper-present for them, my, my clients, so I can provide abundantly for us. Um, it's been a long journey managing my own schedule, but, uh, but it's a hell of a lot better today writing my own schedule than it was when someone else was writing it for me. Yeah, well, I think when you fly up to 10,000 feet to think that you were working all night long, sleeping all day, working every holiday, missing all the moments that mattered with your kids to the point where today, you know, you work a fairly normal schedule and you choose what days you want to take off. You sleep in your own bed with your wife every night. You are there for the holidays. You're there for the moments that matter and your income has gone up sizably. Yeah, it really has. I can remember one time, I'm, one of the things that Janelle told me when I was still in the restaurant business, and she didn't even mean it in a mean way. She wasn't even intentionally trying to rip my heart out. But I was apologizing because I wasn't going to be there that night when she went to bed. And she said, don't worry, I've gotten used to going to bed without you. And oh, the fact that she had totally accepted the fact that she goes to bed alone. And it was my wife, right? Like. That hurt. That I felt. That was motivation. Yeah. So the, the, the reason we're sharing this episode is because when you look at what you want out of your life, it's not having the most discipline in the world. It's not about having all the willpower in the world. FM Alexander says it perfectly. People don't decide their futures. They decide their habits. And their habits decide their futures. 
Today, we're going to talk about the 66-day challenges that Jeff has gone along the way, what's worked, what hasn't worked. And we really want to bring some clarity to some of the myths that people have around the idea of habit formation. And that's going to be what we're diving into today. So Jeff, right. so Jeff, first and foremost, before we dive in there, um, you've been f- a student of the one thing for a while now. How do you think of yourself when it comes to the idea of you being a student? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, you can ask any of my public school teachers. They would say I'm a terrible student. And uh, I, I'd have to agree with them. Um, and I haven't... <laughs> And I haven't let you down in that regard either. <laughs> All the, the curriculum that you've given me, I, I have a, a very high fail rate, but, uh, but I've never stopped trying because I do believe in it. I, 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 I buy into it, man. And I've learned every time. And I've grown every time I've attempted one of your courses. So uh, student-wise, yeah, give me that. Well, that, that, well, there's something there, um, which is we all have a notion of how good of a, a learner or student we think we are. And what we have seen with people just like you, Jeff, is when they are not perfect living the material, they feel like they failed. Yet uh-huh. you, you said something. You kept trying. So yeah. it's, it's actually not about doing a 66-day challenge Perfectly, it's about taking action, and based on what results you're getting, asking, "Well, what's one thing I can do differently next time?" And dude, you've just never given up. So, in that regard, I would say you're a pretty good student. Thank you, I appreciate yeah. that. So let's let's go back to your first 66 day challenge because going through it, you learned something really important that I think a lot of people miss. Fast forward to the end, I ran 66 days in a row. And I haven't run since. <laughs> so, so let's let's it, uh, let, let let's unpack why and the lesson that somebody gets from this one. Okay, uh, there so there was two lessons. One was the fact that I didn't do it at the same time every day. I was at the end of the day running because I had forgotten to that day, or if I was time blocking it, I was doing it at lunch because that was the only time I could do it that day, and I didn't make it a consistent same time, same place type of habit. So by the time the challenge was over, there was nothing for that habit to stick to. My body didn't know when I was supposed to run. There was that kind of biological part of it. The, the other part of it was, it wasn't a priority. It wasn't the most important. It wasn't the one thing that I needed to work on first. Um, and I didn't realize that until I took a much deeper look at the seven categories that's on that 66-day challenge sheet. Yeah, so there. this is huge, folks, because a lot of people, when you're referring to the seven circles, Jeff, on page 114, that shows the seven areas of your life, your spirituality, your physical health, your personal life, your relationships, your job, your business, your finances. People look at a circle that they oftentimes feel like they should make a change in or maybe they feel guilty because they haven't made a change there. And they just start taking action without asking the question, why? Why does this really matter for me? What would doing this one thing actually do for me? Jeff, I'm hearing you say you chose running kind of for vanity metrics. You wanted to look good and you wanted to feel good as well. And that just seemed like a natural default. Yeah. Yeah, it was the easy one. Um, 
So what I did was I, I actually took those seven categories, the seven major categories, and I journaled on every one of them. So this is when I was trying to figure out my why, right? What should I be working on next? What's the most important? What's the priority? And I took every one of those categories that you just listed, and I, I literally spent hours on this, journaling each one. What would, what would this category look like in my life if I had a very powerful habit around it? What, would, what could the possible halo effect be? What other categories would this affect? Why is it important to me? Why should I make a habit around this category? And I just really analyzed each one trying to figure out who I was and who I was trying to be. And at the end of it, I was kind of astonished to notice that they were in order. And I think that that's, that, that was important to me to see that they were in my order of priority. Because correct me if I'm wrong, it's not in the book that says you have to attack these in this order. And I've never heard you say, here's where you start. But mm-hmm. when I really looked into them, I realized my spiritual life was more important than my physical health. And that my personal life didn't matter if my physical health was garbage. And that my job, my business was not going to succeed if I couldn't do my job and so on and so forth. And it was kind of shocking to realize that financial life was all the way on the right. Like, I thought that's the whole point of this thing was my financial life. And it actually turns out it was the least important. What I'm hearing you say, Jeff, is that when you did your reflection, you realized that your order of priority was reflected in the book itself. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, as I, I, I want to find that journal. I would like love to read this. That was like a year and a half ago when I realized what I should be doing next in order of priority as far as building powerful habits. Yeah. And uh, actually, that'd be great to read again to see if anything's changed. But that was powerful realizing what I should do first and why. You get this new clarity that your spiritual life for you really is number one. And then you ask mm-hmm. the focusing question, what's the one thing I can do for my spiritual life such that by doing it, everything else would be easier or unnecessary? What'd you come up with? Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things I focus on is what I can do, right? It doesn't have to be this massively powerful thing. It, it doesn't matter if I, if I start this goal that is something I'm not actually going to make it to the finish line with and build a habit around. So I chose something simple. I chose the first thing every morning, I'm going to read the Bible for 10 minutes. That's it. 66 days in a row. When I wake up in the morning, the very first thing I do is crack the big book. Or the good book, if you will. Did you miss any days? I think I missed probably three total on that one over the two and a half months or yeah, or so. Awesome. Awesome. You fast forward to the end of 66 days. You touched on something really important, which is it's not that it's the 57th domino you're knocking down, the one that reaches from the earth to the moon. It's the first domino, that two-inch little domino that if you knock it down consistently, it's not like that two-inch thing is going to change your life, but it's what it unleashes. What type of halo effect happened as a result of you just reading scripture every morning for 10 minutes? Oh, man. Uh, a, a lot of things that had been in my uh, intention list and my wish list actually started happening. Um, you know, we started praying around the dinner table every night. We started, uh, ah, shoot, what else? We, we, we joined a small group in our church, started meeting other people that had similar faith in my community. Um, my charitable giving in my church, or your tithing, if you will, is, is abundant now like it's never been before. 
Um, I pray more privately than I ever have before. One of the most recent epiphanies has been kind of a cool one where I've, I've realized... So you and I have talked a lot about being detached from the outcome. And that's always a hard one to do because you don't want to feel like you're giving up, right? Or you don't want to give, you don't want to not give it the energy it deserves if it's something you really want. But you also have to be detached from the outcome so you can learn from it no matter what. And I've been able to transition that into what I now call God's will, where I'm not detached from the outcome. I want the outcome to be God's will. If God's will is that I lose everything in 2020, then so be it. That means God wants me to learn something from that so I can appreciate my success in 2021. Or maybe my journey needs to be just painful enough where I can help someone else who's going to go through something worse than me. And it's not that I'm detached from the outcome anymore. It's that I'm living in God's will. And that's, and that's, there's so much peace in that, knowing that all I got to do is pick up the tools that he's laying in front of me. And uh, what happens, happens, man. I just got to take action, take action and appreciate the opportunities I've given, been given. What I think is important to note is that from your first 66-day challenge to your second one, you brought purpose into the picture. There wasn't a huge reason why to run every day and it didn't stick. You had some real purpose and drive behind forming a spiritual habit. And it wasn't that reading scripture every day was the one thing that just was going to change your life. Isolated. It's that a domino effect could take over where doing that one thing, suddenly you're forming a ritual with your family at the dinner table. Suddenly, you are having more private time to pray. Suddenly, your charitable giving goes up. You are reshaping the way you view your relationship with your goals by detaching yourself from that outcome and understanding that right way, perfect place, perfect time. You fast forward, those first two 66-day challenges got you up to do a third. What did that look like? The third one is... (laughs) It also felt like a big, a bit of a cop out, but I wanted to do something that, that I, that again, what's the one thing you can do, right? I focused on that. What's the one thing I'm going to actually accomplish? And I chose physical health because that was the next on my priority list. And I decided I was going to drink a gallon of water every single day. Why did you choose a gallon of water? A, a gallon of water was one thing I knew I could do, right? It was the once one thing I can do. And I focused on that part of it. And I started drinking a gallon of water every day for a couple of reasons. One, I knew 100% it would improve my physical health. I have all of these goals around my physical health. And, and drinking a gallon of water a day was going to cause a halo effect in some positive way on all of them. So I started on that one. And I, the habit's been around that habit actually really did stick. I'd still probably not a full gallon of water every day, but. I carry a bottle of water with me all the time now. When I know I shouldn't have a second portion, I drink a glass of water first, right? I'm, I'm hydrated well when I work out like that. And there's other things that have happened as a result of that halo effect. So let's, let's talk about this. And for people who, who are not familiar, the idea of the halo effect is that when you do one thing, if it's the right thing, it'll start to shine down in other areas of your life. So they, they are connected. Jeff, I'm hearing you say you drink a gallon of water every day and other things that were really important to you started to happen in your physical health. Walk us through that. Okay. I think, uh, I think the greatest example for me was I grew up in a surfing family. All right. My, my dad grew up in Hermosa beach. 
and surfed his whole life. Both my older brothers surf. When I get out in the water and I'm on my surfboard, there's a sense of peace and that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing like, like nowhere else in my life. Right? I'm, I'm passionate about surfing. For my entire life, I've never done it consistently. It's always been a, 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 something that I get obsessed with for a short while and then get distracted. This last year, I've surfed at a minimum of twice a week, every week for the last 50, 60 weeks in a row. And that it's always been that important to me. My intention was always there, but the results and my action weren't showing it. And once I started drinking a gallon of water a day, I started working out more. I started getting used to being physically healthy consistently. I lost some weight. I put on some muscle. I felt good every time I paddled. And, and lo and behold, I'm 41 freaking years old. And for the first time in my life, I'm doing something that I'm passionate about consistently. And it started with drinking a gallon of water every day. That was the impetus to the physical health portion of this that got me now doing that. Let's fly to 10,000 feet. We've covered three 66-day challenges here from running every day, reading scripture 10 minutes first thing in the morning, to drinking a gallon of water a day. When I called you last week and just said, "Hey, walk me through how your habits have gone." Overall, how do you feel about this? How do you feel about the level of success of the 66-day challenges you've done? Okay, I want to answer this honestly. There's there's been other 66-day challenges in there that I started and realized they were the wrong one. And instead of taking me to failure as a failure, I just doubled down on, "Okay, what's the right one?" Or I've had to start them over. Right? I've done ones that were super important and I fell off for 8, 10, 12 days and realized, you know what? Uh-oh, I got to start this one over at day one. Um, so overall, I'd rate myself as still not the greatest student, but I never stop. I believe in them because of the halo effect that's happened around the ones I've done well and right and focused on. Yeah. And, and here's, here's the point of this episode, folks. Perfection just gets in the way of what's possible. Progress is far more important than perfection. We have seen, I mean, we've personally shepherded over 4,000 people through a 66 day challenge through time blocking mastery. We're about to take our entire membership community through one kicking off on January 1st. We've seen, gosh, 20,000 people download the calendars. We've got data to show how successful people usually are. And while a 66-day challenge is surprisingly simple, identify one thing, track it every day, and do it for 66 days. They question if they're doing the right one thing. Usually, they're just picking something because it seems really glamorous. And a few weeks in, they realize maybe there's something else that is the lead domino to that one. Oftentimes, people four weeks in, we know four weeks in, you are building momentum and you will think you've earned the right to go on to another 66-day challenge. And you haven't. It hasn't stuck yet. Because it, it, that's right when it starts to get hard and the monotony starts to sink in. It starts to get boring. People oftentimes aren't going small enough. They're picking one thing they think they should do versus what you're saying, Jeff, one thing that I can do. Here's the point. All that matters is that you knock the domino down. Because when you do, it automatically gets you back up to knock down the next one 
And sometimes you whack away at it and it doesn't fall. Jeff, I heard you say, I whacked away at this thing and it didn't fall. And instead of giving up and saying it didn't work for me, you ask a really powerful question. Based on that, what's one thing I can do? Such that by doing it, everything else would be easier or unnecessary. Folks, perfection gets in the way of what's possible. Focus on your progress. Jeff, I'm hearing you say, when you think back over the last few years of the 66-day challenges, if you had to give one word to it, I'm hearing you say the word is progress. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's funny, it's, it's, as you're saying that, I'm thinking back to when you ask the big question, right? What's the one thing I can do such that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary? I got to the point after doing a ton of them, a ton of 66-day challenges where I finally got to one that I felt like really answered that question. And for me, it was my 411. At one of your seminars, Mm -hmm. you talked about how, can I just look at my 411 before I let anything else in the world distract me? First thing in the morning, when I open my calendar, can I just look at my 411 first before I decide how I'm going to live my day? And I loved that because I was finally, I'd taken care of spirituality and physical health. They were works in progress, but man, there was powerful stuff happening around them. And I decided now that one I'm going to try because that one can affect my personal life, my job, my business, my financial life, my goals, everything. So I took the time to do a proper 411. I put it in my calendar and every single morning for 66 days, I looked at that before I would touch my my instant messages, my social media, my email, the newspaper, anything. I would not let the world distract me before I decided what my priorities were, what my goals were, what am I actually working towards. That 66-day challenge has stuck more powerfully than anything else. And I now, when I write my to-do list, it looks so much different. It's an actual priority list because I know what my priorities are. I've, I've, instead of looking at social media and feeling bad about myself or looking at email and letting my clients in the world tell me how to do my job, I look at the 411 and I decide I know how to do my job. I know what's best for me and my family and my career today. And here's the priority list that makes that possible. That one has changed my life. And the halo effect on that one is... We don't have enough time on your podcast to talk about the halo effect on that one. Yeah. So, folks, (laughs) it is a sobering truth that the majority of your priorities, they don't live in your inbox. Your inbox is where everybody else's priorities and 80% live. If we're not careful, if we don't have clarity on what matters most to us, it's really easy to react to whatever's sitting in there. So if you can simply... That's a great 66-day challenge. I, I, I usually say it is check your 411 before you check your email. Check your priorities before you check everyone else's. Because when you knock that domino down, you form a habit of thinking in order of priority. Jeff, I heard you say it. I actually knew what my priorities were. And if you think in order of priority, you knock that domino down, it automatically gets you back up to act in order of priority. When you start acting in order of priority, you start getting a lot more done 
in way less time with way less stress. And Jeff, I believe that is the reason that you were sending me that text last week saying, I got two commission checks that just those two equated an entire year's worth of income in your prior career. Yeah. Jeff, what I'd love to hear is what advice you'd give to somebody who's about to go on their first 66-day challenge. What are the things that are really important that they know that if they could keep that in mind would dramatically increase their odds of success? Oh, man. I Give yourself permission to fail. And that, that sounds so simple, but you're going to learn. As long as you're open-minded to learning from your failure, you never fail at these things. Like I've, I've learned to allow myself to learn. Like the, When I fail, when I fall down, I look back behind me, what knocked me over? Why did I fall down? Okay, let's avoid that next time. Here we go again. So it sounds so cliche, but give yourself permission to fail. It's okay. You're probably there is no 66 day challenge that you're going to do every day for the rest of your life. Get that out of your head. But work at it. Try it. See where it gets you. See what you learn and do another one. I think that is solid, solid counsel. And I've I've heard Gary say somebody was in the masterminds, they asked him, you know, his thoughts on failure and how you know when you're successful. And he basically goes, if if you're in this room and you're still standing, your business is still in business, you haven't been sued into bankruptcies, like you're that you're a success. You know, it's just moving from failure to failure without giving up. And there are tons of people throughout history who have had quotes similar to that. You don't actually fail if you learn. You may not get the result that you thought you would get in that moment, but if you can learn from it and put it into action, that's a win, baby. And that's why we say, forget perfection. Focus on making progress and you will really discover what's possible for you. Well, Jeff, I want to say thank you to you for coming on the show and sharing your journey and, and being real with it because it, I think a lot of people would think that it's all about coming on here and talking about how amazing things have gone, but that's not what makes this podcast unique. This is the show where we tell the real stories of what it looks like to live the one thing. And folks, that sometimes means that you fall down. Sometimes it means it, it doesn't go perfectly. What it does mean is that we celebrate the progress along the way. So thank you, my friend. Thank you, my friend. Well, there you have it, our conversation with Jeff Gray. Folks, when we consider the common myths about forming habits, it starts by acknowledging that your journey is not going to be filled with perfection. Mm -mm -mm. What it is, is it's a journey of taking action. It's a journey of reflecting based on where you have successes and where you struggle. And based on that, asking the question, what's the one thing I can do such that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary? Out of everything we covered here today, what's your one biggest takeaway? What's that one thing you can put into action? Will you take the time to pause this episode and really identify it instead of just listening to the next episode or going into your next meeting? Will you get that clarity? Because when you have that clarity, it becomes far easier to put it into action. 
If this episode has brought value to you, who's somebody that you know and care about that you think would benefit from listening to it? Who's somebody who may often hold themselves to an insanely high standard that if they could just celebrate the progress over the perfection, they might actually achieve more in the long run. Would you share it with them? And if you are that person, welcome to the One Thing Podcast. Click the subscribe button so all future episodes will automatically be downloaded to your device. And for all of you, please consider leaving us a rating and review on your podcast player of choice as it helps us reach far more people. And if you would like to get intentional about forming a habit right now, you got two options. First, we hope you consider joining us in Living Your One Thing so that we can support you on your 66-day challenge. That starts by going to the onething.com slash community. That's with the number one in the URL. And if you would like a tool that you can have a relationship with, that you can carry everywhere that not only helps you have that relationship with your goals, but also helps you track your 66-day challenge, it's called the One Thing Planner. And right now, between now and the end of the year, we've got extra discounts being applied to multiple copies of the planner. You can learn more at theonething.com slash shop. The planners are shipping out as we speak and we are seeing people posting it on social media. They're so excited and we just, we cannot wait to go on this journey with you. Thanks so much for listening to the One Thing Podcast. We look forward to being with you in the next episode.